Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. If you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 24. And as a church, as a spiritual family, we've been in a series called Famous Last Words. And over the last month, we've been looking at the final words of Jesus in the few hours of his life here on earth. We kicked off this this installment, this series, uh, talking about the Last Supper and the words that he shared with his disciples as they broke bread together. Jesus modeled serving and sacrifice in that moment. Then we moved from the Last Supper to the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus prayed, and he said, Father, not my will, but yours be done. He was teaching us not only serving and sacrifice, but he was teaching us the power of surrender. And then if you were here last week, we talked about the words from the cross. Jesus gave seven statements in the final six hours of his life alive here on earth. And he says, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Today, being Resurrection Sunday, I want to talk to you about the words of Jesus on the road to Emmaus, on the road to Emmaus. You see, Jesus was crucified on a Friday. Let me tell you something. Friday was dark. Saturday was silent, but Sunday changed everything. There's something about Resurrection Sunday, and the world has never recovered from that day to this. We see that particular Sunday morning as as word began to get out that His body was missing. There was a lot of confusion. Some women had gone to the tomb and were visited by angels, and they were told, tell tell the disciples, get the word out. Jesus is not here. He's risen. There were two disciples, two followers of Christ, and they were actually leaving Jerusalem, totally discouraged by the events of that weekend, and they were on their way to a village called Emmaus, and Jesus shows up in a conversation with with them. And I want to let the word do the work. I'm telling you, the scripture does not need my help. God's word works, and we're going to put it to work today. Luke chapter 24, verse 13. The Bible says, that same day, two of Jesus's followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles outside of Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. I don't even know that conversation was loaded. There was a lot of things, a lot of events that had taken place. These followers of Christ were in Jerusalem, no doubt, a week prior when Jesus came riding in on a donkey. Uh, Palm Sunday, he's riding in, and the streets are lined with people, and they're waving palm branches, branches, and they're shouting, Hosanna. And it wasn't but a few days later, the crowd was crucifying him, condemning him to die. The Bible says in verse 15, as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. I love this. Jesus will show up in the most unassuming places. Bible tells us, verse 16, but God kept them from recognizing him. Now imagine this, followers of Jesus who were broken, discouraged, saddened, Man, they were at a total loss. 
They're leaving Jerusalem because all hope had been lost. And here comes Jesus, and they don't even recognize him. And look at what it says in verse 17. Jesus asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short. Sadness was written across their faces. Now, if you're taking notes, I want to give you three. As we move through this passage, there are three thoughts, famous last words that Jesus gives in this conversation. And the first is this. Jesus says, hey, what y'all talking about? What y'all talking about? Somebody say y'all. Y'all didn't know that was in the Bible, did you? See, I'm reading from the KJN translation, the Cajun. Come on, talk to me. Where you at? How many know swamp people got to have their version of the scriptures too? See, now listen, I'm not from here. My, my parents moved us here 35 years ago, but I've learned something about the Cajun dialect. When you say y'all, that could be one person. But when you say all y'all, that's more than one person, right? Jesus says, what y'all talking about? In this, I see Jesus showing care and compassion. Now, now notice here, these are followers of Christ. Now, they're not the, 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 the 12 apostles, the who's who of the Christian zoo. They're not Peter, Andrew, James, and John. In fact, you'll, you'll find out in this passage that one of them, the Bible doesn't even give him a name. The other is named Cleopas. And Jesus shows up anonymously in this conversation among these followers of his. This tells me that Jesus reveals himself to the lowly. This tells me that, that our Savior bled and died for the common man. You don't have to be the who's who of the Christian zoo to get a visitation from Jesus. You see, the scandal of the gospel is not who it keeps out, but who it allows in. How many know the gospel is for Cajun people like us? It can be for the rich or for the poor, for the educated, for the uneducated. It doesn't matter your resume or your pedigree. Jesus will show up in the most unassuming moments. And in this moment, he's not even recognized. These followers of Christ are, are leaving Jerusalem in sadness, going to a village called Emmaus. I think Emmaus represents a sense of hopelessness, a, a sense of helplessness. Uh, do you ever, have you ever been in a moment or a season in your life where you felt totally at a loss? Uh, maybe some of you are here this morning and you're so discouraged. Maybe life didn't turn out the way you wanted it to. Uh, maybe you had a dream or a sense of purpose when you were young and growing up, but life has been so difficult. I mean, consider the emotions that these followers of Jesus are wrestling with. They are grieving because their Lord had died. Some of you have lost friends and family members this year. Some of you are in a season of grief. These followers, they were sad because they had pinned all of their hopes on Jesus. They had left their careers and their families and everything that they knew to follow who they thought was the Messiah. And all of that ended that Friday night on the cross. They were at a total loss. They, they didn't even know their next steps. How do you Pick up the pieces when your world has been shattered. I know this is Easter. They put all of their eggs in one basket. You ever been so confused you didn't even know your next step? In fact, they may have been afraid. Think about it. The Romans had killed their rabbi. Maybe they were next. 
They would be considered co-conspirators of, of this movement in Judea. And so all of this stuff is happening inside of them. And Jesus shows up and says, hey, what y'all talking about? If I'm Jesus, I'm probably having a different entry. I'm probably like, ta-da. Hey, y'all, it's me. I'm here to fix everything. And yet there's something about the approach of Jesus on this first Resurrection Sunday that I think is fascinating. Jesus doesn't come in to fix it, but he leans in to feel it with them. Can, can I give you some great marriage advice? How many married folks do we have in the house? How many of you, you're single and you want to be married? Keep your hands up. Now look around, look around, look around. Hey, you want to find the right person, you got to look in the right place, huh? This is a good place to find somebody, man. If I can give you some, I wish I would have heard this. Rachel and I, this is our 27th year of, of marriage, and I dated her for four years. 31 years that girl has been putting up with me. I wish somebody would have told me this when I first got married. I didn't know this, but knowing it now, this is going to help somebody, all right? Because sometimes she would start sharing things, and when she's sharing about a problem or something that's stressing her, as guys, what do we do? We fix it, right? If you're sharing a problem, I'm going to find a solution, but I've learned that she doesn't always want me to fix it. And all the ladies said, uh, see, I'm trying to help some people today. I've learned to ask this question. When she starts unpacking some stuff, I've learned to say, baby, do you want me to fix this for you or to feel it with you? Mm. Some of you ladies are elbowing your husband right now. Say, write that down. She wants to know that I'm listening because when I get into fix-it mode, I'm not necessarily listening. Jesus, he is Mr. Fix-it, but he doesn't come in and say, here I am. He says, hey, what are y'all talking about? He's leaning into their pain. Can I tell you, there's a gap between listening and loving, and that gap is so small that most people can't tell the difference. Sometimes the best way to love somebody is to lean into their suffering. Lean into their sorrow. And Jesus does this. You know, you sit with people in their sadness. Now, grief, listen to me, grief is a life season, but it's not a life sentence. Jesus will lean into our suffering. Why? Because he cares. If there's one thing I want you to take away this morning is knowing that your Lord and Savior cares about you. He, he, he cares about you more than you think. And he's closer to you than what you even know. These followers of Jesus had no idea that the one that they loved was literally walking with them. And I want you to know, God doesn't just want to visit you once a year on Easter Sunday, but he wants to walk with you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, through the good times and through the bad times. Jesus cares about you. He's for you. You see, I love what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, when two saints are talking together, Jesus is very likely to come and make the third one in the company. Talk of him, and you will soon talk with him. The Bible reminds us that we can cast all of our cares upon him because he cares for us. Listen to me. If it matters to you, it matters to him. If it concerns you, 
It concerns him. You say, Mike, even my children, if your kids concern you, God is concerned about your kids too. Even my finances, Mike, does God care about my finances? Listen, if it's bothering you, then it gets his attention too. What about my health? If it's important to you, it's important to him. Jesus says, hey, what y'all talking about? Verse 18, then one of them, Cleopas, he replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. I mean, this follower of Jesus is like, for real? You, you don't know what we're talking about? You're not on Facebook? Don't you keep up with social media? Don't you read Twitter? I mean, it's everywhere. I mean, the whole world is talking about this. What planet are you from? And if it's Jesus, I'm thinking like, I created this planet. What do you mean, what planet am I from? I made this planet. I put you on it. What do you mean, uh, the whole world knows but me? What? <laughs> you can't see me. Come on, Lady Tigers. Where you at, baby? Where you at? Uh, 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 uh. I just had to put that in the Easter message. Come on, baby. That's the KJN version, man. Aren't you glad I'm not Jesus? I'd be like, ah. <laughs> Jesus, verse 19, he says, what things? What are you talking about? Well, the things that happened to Jesus. Now, notice the progression here. The man from Nazareth, they said. Uh, he was a prophet who did powerful miracles. Notice the progression. They recognized him as a man. They honored him as a prophet. The Bible says, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God, and all the people. Not only was he a man, he was a prophet and an amazing teacher, but our leading priests and the other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death. They crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Now notice what they said. We had hoped. Notice how they speak of hope in past tense. You see, the last memory that they had of their Savior was him hanging on that cross. He was buried in a tomb, and when he died, all of their hopes died with him. We had hoped. You know, I thought about that phrase. We had hoped. That phrase is the beginning of a thousand different stories. We had hoped this marriage would last forever. We had hoped that our child would be healthy. We had hoped that this was the promotion. This was the opportunity. This was, we had hoped that this doctor's report would have come back clean. We had hoped. Verse 22, they said, then some women from our group of followers, they were at his tomb early this morning. And they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing. And they had even seen angels who told them, Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone just as the women had said. The women got it right. Come, and all the ladies said, I told you so. They were right. The angel of the Lord had visited them and said, he's not here, he's risen. And now these, these followers are finding this so hard to believe. Jesus said to them in verse 25, check this out. You foolish 
people. Why do you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures? Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering into his glory? Here's the second thing I want you to write down is this. Jesus says, why do you find it so hard to believe? First, he says, hey, what y'all talking about? That shows his care and compassion. But now he's starting to challenge them. Why do you struggle to believe? The prophets had foretold it. It's been written in the law of Moses. You see, some people only want a God who comforts them. I'm grateful to serve a God of all comfort, but then he also challenges me sometimes. You know, listen, if we're not challenged, we'll never grow. These disciples needed to be challenged in their perspective. They need to be challenged in their faith. They need to be challenged in their mindset. Sometimes we carry fear and worry and doubt and insecurity, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ will challenge all of that. You see, when we're challenged, we grow. It's amazing to me how these followers, think about it. Jesus had been crucified, buried, and raised from the dead. And the victory that they longed for was standing right in front of them. But they were still walking in defeat. My fear is that we could go through Easter and have the victory of Jesus all around us, but still walking in defeat in our own soul. Come on, talk to me. You see, Jesus paid way too high a price. For, let me ask you this question. Are you walking in everything that Jesus died to give you? Now, this is, this is for, not just for the unbeliever. This is for the believer as well. Sometimes as believers, we're dominated by worry and fear and insecurity. And Jesus is like, wait a second. I raised my, I'm from the dead now. I, I, I've conquered death, hell, and the grave. And you can worry about that. Listen, the victory that Jesus died to give us is something that we need to walk in daily. You know, I thought about this. I never really understood why my dad would get so upset. Sometimes we'd go on a, a family vacation. We didn't take many vacations because we didn't have a lot of resources. But when we did, I, I, I look back at it now, and my dad would get upset at us kids when we would whine and complain on vacation. Now, I know I'm not talking to anybody in here. All your kids, especially on vacations, are perfect angels. But we'd load up in that station wagon and take about eight, 10-hour trip. And man, I've got two sisters, an older sister and a younger sister. Do we have any middle children in the house? Come on, middle child syndrome. Come on, now you're starting to understand your pastor a little bit better. Yeah, messing with each other in the back. How long? How much longer? Messing with each other. My dad would get so frustrated sometimes, you know. Bless God. We are on vacation. And you will have a good time. I'm like, Dad, what? Just why are you so upset? But, but then when I had kids of my own, I began to understand my father. You see, those kids didn't realize the sacrifice that I was making for them to be able to have this trip. They didn't realize the money that I had to save. Come on, somebody. They, they didn't know the price that I had to pay. And as dads, we want to get the biggest bang for our buck, right? So if we're going to spend a lot of money on a family trip, everybody better have a good time. Don't you complain about standing in that line, bless God. We're having fun. Oh, you better eat those nachos. I paid $25 for those nachos. 
Right? Come on, dads, help me out. Now listen, if our heavenly father bankrupted heaven by sending us Jesus, oh, he, God couldn't improve on that gift. He gave us heaven's best. The darling of heaven was crucified. He paid way too high a price for us to live every day in defeat. And some of our faith needs to be challenged. Listen, Jesus got up out of that grave, and the Bible says the same spirit that lifted Jesus from the dead, it now dwells in us. So guess what? We can go to the office on Monday, and we can have boldness and confidence. Why? Because resurrection power lives inside of us. Do we only celebrate the resurrection one day a year and then live in defeat, the other 364? God's saying, no, 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 no. I paid a high price. I'm going to get my money's worth. Jesus says, do you find it so hard to believe? Look at what he says in verse 27. Then he took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets. Now, what is that? That's the Old Testament. He started in Genesis, and he worked his way, the law of Moses. Man, then he went through the judges. Then he went through the prophets, kings and chronicles. And then now the minor prophets, and all the way to Malachi. The Bible says he started at the beginning explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Do you know the Old Testament is filled with one reference after the other, pointing people to Jesus. Sometimes I get lost in the Old Testament. You ever try to do like the read through the Bible in a year? You get on a reading plan and man, Genesis feels good because there's a lot of drama in Genesis. You know, how many know those Old Testament families? They are dysfunctional. I'm telling you, some of them put the funk in dysfunctional. And I feel like, man, there's hope for me. Genesis is awesome. Then you get to Exodus and man, it's, it's Moses. It's the miracles. It's the parting of the Red Sea. It's the supernatural hand of God. Genesis is great. Exodus is amazing. And then here comes Leviticus. Y'all ever crawled up with Leviticus and just tried to get a nice devotional thought out of Leviticus? Thinking, man, where's that goat? Where is that goat? I got to find out what happened to the goat. And you're just as lost as a goose in a hailstorm. <laughs> and Jesus starts in Genesis. He says, in Genesis, he's the breath of life. In Exodus, the Passover land. In Leviticus, he's our high priest. In Numbers, he's our fire by night. Deuteronomy, he's Moses' voice. In Joshua, he's salvation's choice. In Judges, he's the lawgiver. Come on. And he starts, boom, boom, one thing after another. And he's pointing them to Jesus. I want you to know that your good moments point you to Jesus. Your tough moments direct you back to Jesus. God will use, listen to me, everything that God allows in your life, he will redeem. And if you'll use it, good times and tough times, and use it, celebrate him as your source in the good times, and depend on him as your resource in the bad times. Jesus, not only did he care for them, but he challenged them. He says, guys, listen, don't, don't go by what you feel. I know you're sad right now, but you can't live by your feelings. D don't even go by what you see. I know your last picture was Jesus hanging on that tree. Don't go by what you feel or what you see, but go by what God has said. The faith to believe. Look at what it says here, verse 28. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus. And the end of their journey, 
Jesus, oh, I love this. Jesus acted as if he were going on. But they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So Jesus went home with them. Here's one of the things that I love about Jesus. Jesus never forces his way into anybody's life. He comes by invitation. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost here. God's not trying to pay you back. He's trying to bring you back. The Lord knocks on the door of your heart, and he's not going to break down the bars, but he's, he's going to knock until you invite him in. They said, stay with us, and Jesus comes in as a guest, but watch what happens here. As they sat down to eat, verse 30, he took the bread and he blessed it. Does that sound familiar? Then he broke it and he gave it to them. This is big. Verse 31, suddenly, somebody say suddenly. Oh, I love the suddenlies in the scripture. Suddenly, the Bible says, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. Poof. The moment they recognize it's their savior, their Messiah, he's gone. What happened? Notice this. Notice what he did. The final thing. He broke the bread and he gave it to them. And at that moment, there was change. There was a change of perspective. Jesus goes from being a guest to the host. He's the host now at the dinner table. Let me tell you this. Jesus doesn't just come into your life as a guest. He wants to become the host. It's the difference between being Jesus being your Savior and Jesus being your Lord. You see, we, we invite the Lord in and we, we say, God, come into my life, maybe through a desperate situation, maybe through brokenness or pain. God, wash me, cleanse me, forgive me, give me a fresh start. And he does. We've invited him in. Now he needs to become the host. What did Jesus do in this moment, at this meal? I wondered, had those disciples shared a moment like that with him before? When he takes the bread, Jesus said in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. He takes the bread. He blesses it. He breaks it, and he gives it. When the bread was broken and given, then their eyes were opened. And I want you to know this. When we receive the broken, blessed Jesus, our eyes will be open. Some of you, God's wanting to produce some change in your life. Some of you need to, to change course. You need to change priorities. You need to change the way that you think. You say, Mike, I can't change myself. You're right. You need a guest to become the host and give you the power to see what you could never see before. Come on, are you with me today? This is the hope of Easter. Now notice what they said here. Verse 32, they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? We knew there was something different about this guy. That was Jesus all along, hidden in disguise. The hope of heaven framed up in that moment specifically for these two men. You know where change happens? It starts in the heart. Their heads were confused. They were sad, grieving, lost, afraid, trying to make sense of it all. They couldn't understand. Change happens in your heart, and then it moves to your head, and then eventually it impacts your habits. 
Didn't our hearts burn? Some of you sitting here today, your heart is burning. You sense the presence of the Lord. You don't have to understand everything about it, but the heart to receive makes all the difference. The Bible says this final verse, and within the hour, verse 33, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. Now think about it. Jerusalem is where all these events happened. They had pinned all of their hopes that Jesus would go to Jerusalem, overthrow the Roman government, and set up his kingdom on earth. When that didn't happen, they left Jerusalem in sadness and sorrow. But when they encountered Jesus, he not only changed their hearts, but he changed their direction. Now they're headed back to Jerusalem, and their hearts are filled. And their hope is alive. Some of you, God's wanting to change your course. You came here today in brokenness and despair. And God's saying, I want to live inside of you. And if you'll receive him, your eyes will be open. Your priorities will change. Your direction will change. Your perspective will change. Your purpose will change. Do you receive that today? Come on, put your hands together if you believe that today. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.